listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Kelly Jensen, and this is the September 15th, 2023 edition. As of recording this, it's still very hot in the Midwest. We have had what has probably been one of the dumbest summers ever between being way too hot to do anything outside, being way too smoky to do anything outside, and being like way too tornado-y to be outside. I am usually a huge fan of summer, but this might be the first year that I am really itching for fall and even the colder days of winter. It's also the time of the year where I find myself consuming a lot of horror, like so many other readers do. Part of it is the season, of course, but the other part is the annual Summer Scares Committee work begins again, wherein several groups who love horror choose three horror books in three categories, adult, YA, and middle grade to feature and highlight two libraries across the country over the next year. I've been captioning the YA piece of the program since its inception five years ago, and so this time of year is just like consuming a lot of horror. I will drop a link to the years past in the show notes for anyone who wants to dive into some excellent horror reads. And all of that is to say this is an intro for today's episode, where I'm going to highlight one of my favorite types of horror, which is horror that is also kind of funny. I've got both a YA title and an adult title I've loved in the last couple of years that scratch both my need for some chills and some LOLs. Before diving in, though, I want to talk briefly about Book Riot's new newsletter, The Deep Dive, for which I've written a few pieces, uh, one on the history of Barbie as a publishing phenomenon and one on the rising cost of books over the last five years. Book Riot's editorial team is writing for casual and power readers over at The Deep Dive, where you'll find weekly stories that inform and inspire readers drawn from our collective experiences as power readers, teachers, librarians, booksellers, and bookish professionals. Some of the Recent stories for free subscribers include a brief history of chain letters, a behind-the-scenes look at being Book Riot's managing editor, and the anatomy of a Obama summer reading list. Paid subscribers get access to exclusive content, including a mega list of books our readers think you should add to your TBR, and access to community features, including the ability to comment. I did a paid feature on the bunnies on book covers that I would definitely like to snuggle with. During the month of September, all new free subscribers will be entered to win Parable of the Sour by Octavia Butler, plus five mystery books from The Deep Dive. To enter, simply start a free subscription to The Deep Dive, no payment required, and you enter by going to bookriot.substack.com. That's bookriot.substack.com. No purchase necessary to enter. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, Black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, Black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. 
Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Inez Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle. Walk, Ride, Paddle is a captivating memoir of Senator Tim Kaine's physical journey through the Virginia wilderness, but it is also a unique and ultimately optimistic perspective on these pivotal moments in history, offering inspiration, wisdom, and hope. With immediacy and honesty, Kane pulls back the curtain to reveal his inner thoughts during such monumental times. And Kane's storytelling gift and wise observations offer a fascinating glimpse into the mind of a seasoned politician and outdoor enthusiast. Walk, Ride, Paddle is available everywhere audiobooks are sold on April 9th. It is narrated and written by Tim Kane, Virginia senator and former Democratic vice presidential candidate. It's a compelling account of one man's journey across hundreds of miles of Virginia wilderness and a moving testament to the optimistic spirit of America. So make sure to check out Walk, Ride, Paddle by Tim Kane. And thanks again to Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle, for sponsoring this episode. So the first book I'm going to talk about today is Dead Flip by Sarah Farazin. And I'm going to begin by saying that I'm a huge fan of Sarah Farazin and think she has this really magical ability to weave humor into her writing so perfectly. There aren't a lot of genuinely funny books out there. But hers deliver, and Dead Flip is no exception. This is a book for fans who love Stranger Things and books set in that sweet spot of the late 1980s and early 1990s, like the Paper Girls comics. This one is packed with pop cultural references of the time, and it's done in a way that is laugh out loud funny. So the story follows Corey, Maz, and Sam, who are all inseparable growing up. They hung out all the time, shared a deep love for Halloween and arcade games, among other things. But when they were in middle school, things started to change, as often happens at that time in a young person's life. So we fast forward to 1993, and Sam has been missing for six years. Corey and Maz are seniors, and they run across one another by chance. And that chance meeting resurrects not only the feelings of their broken friendship, but it also brings Sam back. Sam, who comes back not as a senior himself, but as his 12-year-old self, still thinking it's 1987. What unravels is a story of secrets that best friends kept from one another, as well as what both Corey and Maz believe happened to Sam. Corey dug her heels into Sam being dead, while Maz believes Sam was sucked into a weird arcade game that lived at their favorite game shop in time. The reality is that it's a bit of both, and honestly, the story unfolds as the friends unpack the events that led to Sam's disappearance and what sort of friendship the three of them might still have if they could have one at all. This is a fun paranormal mystery, a look at how friendships change over the course of one's coming of age, and entertaining as all get out. There is a lot here about being queer in a time when being open about one's sexuality was much more challenging than it is now, and it's also about growing up as a brown kid in a white world. The alternating timelines give this a fast pace, and I'll reiterate that the pop culture references here and the humor made it the kind of book that taps into a really specific kind of nostalgia. If you are hesitant about horror but want to read horror, this might be a really good pick as it has just enough chills to give it that horror designation, but it's not gory or terrifying. 
That said, I should note, there is some animal freezing, but no creatures actually lose their lives in this story. And that is Dead Flip by Sarah Farazin. So I'm going to hit our adult title, and that is Suburban Hell by Maureen Kilmer. The story follows Amy, who moves to the suburbs a few years ago with her husband and starts a family. They're well settled now in Winchester, Illinois, which is a western burb of Chicago. Amy is really close with a number of other women in the neighborhood, including Liz, Jess, and Melissa. They love getting together every month for wine night, and they love snarking on suburbia while also like deeply leaning into the fact that they are suburban moms. For a while, they've talked about building this clubhouse of sorts, and finally, the night comes for them to christen the space where the she shed in Liz's backyard will be constructed. Unfortunately, nothing is the same after that night. Somehow the four have unleashed a demonic force into their lives. Liz has gone completely off the rails and is nothing like herself, and she seems to have no idea how she used to be. Amy and her daughter are engaging with self-possessed dolls, and home is starting to smell awful. Not to mention the bird marks everywhere and the sudden Roomba from hell annoying them. When uh, Liz is unable to act like herself, Amy, Jess, and Melissa will need to team up and defeat the demon in order to get their best friend and their lives back together. If you're looking for a funny horror book, or a horror book which could be described as a light or a romp of a horror story, this is it. There are some genuinely creepy moments here, but mostly it's a lot of humor about life in the suburbs. There are tropes aplenty for horror fans, and the smart takedown of suburban culture does a really good job of also leaning into, like, the reality of living in the suburbs. Yes, you can hate having the typical suburban mom life, but also realize that having a suburban mom life means you can make friends with similar interests pretty easily and may be able to help each other when one of your friends becomes, you know, possessed by a demonic spirit. There are Ouija boards, children's carnivals, and a ritual burning with bad alcohol in this one. I thought the demon reveal was a clever one, and while none of the characters here are super fully fleshed, deeply moving creations, it doesn't matter. Uh, This is a book about voice, about the humor, and about women working together to solve a problem much bigger than themselves. I was cackling and reading passages out loud to my husband, including one that talks about how Wisconsinites love Fleet Farm, that is in and of itself its mythical place, and how it's not related to Farm and Fleet, which is something that indeed is in some of the Chicago suburbs. It's a very funny, like, cultural, local humor piece. This is the perfect read for creepy season, especially if you don't like your scares to be too dark or heavy. And I will note, this one has discussion of animal deaths, so if that's something you're sensitive to, take care when reading. I have not read the book that I've seen this one come to numerous times, but if you've read Grady Hendrix's Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, but want something even campier, that would be this one. And that is Suburban Hell by Melissa Kilmer. And with that, today's show comes to a close. As always, all the books mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes. Also, as always, big thank you to our sponsor and to our audio editor, Jen Zink, and thank you to you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com, and don't forget to check the full stable podcast at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. Again, you can find the list of books I mentioned today on the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And if you're a fan of all the books or all the backlist and want to show us some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We appreciate your review and your review to help other book lovers find us. 
if you want to find me. I'm still on Twitter, but you can also find me on Substack at stackedthoughts.substack.com. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading.